Hello, I'm Mark, and this is the Fast Track Impact podcast for researchers who want to be more productive and achieve real-world impacts from their research. This week's podcast is called Impact is a State of Mind. I love it. This is a, a quote from Saskia Walcott, who I had the privilege of interviewing recently in, uh, in a cafe. Uh, and I add this detail because um, uh, I'm going to cut to the audio from this in a moment and there is a bit of background noise. Um, uh, but uh, but we had only just managed to recover from a horrendous bout of uh, of giggling uh, after the uh, one of the, the servers uh, near us, uh, just as Saskia was introducing herself and talking about impact, um, produced this massive impact of dropping a whole load of plates. Um, so I'm not entirely sure how much they appreciated it, but you know what? We just could not help ourselves. Um, we were There was literally tears rolling down our eyes uh, by the third take and we just could not manage to do this. So eventually uh, we pulled ourselves together and, uh, and, and, uh, and managed to uh, record some, uh, some sense uh, and what sense there is. Uh, so some deep sense, some deep truth here from Saskia. Saskia's been in this game for a long time. Um, she uh, used to work uh, with ESRC um, she then moved in professional services roles um, and then became a consultant. Um, I actually employed her in REF 2014 to provide feedback on case studies from the unit of assessment that, that uh, I was jointly leading um, uh, and gained massively from her insights then um, and have uh, regularly gone back to her throughout my career for uh, second opinions uh, and advice. Um, so uh, uh, an incred incredible um, fount of wisdom and uh, and sense. And uh, we're going to hear uh, about what she means by this this quote, um, uh, why impact is a state of mind. And this resonates, I think, quite strongly with a theme that uh, you'll have hopefully got from this uh, from this podcast so far um, uh, about uh, the motives and, and why we do what we do and at what point and how we think about uh, impact. But she'll also talk about some of her research. So she uh, just uh, recently finished a, a research project of her own, uh, looking at art and humanities scholars uh, in particular, and how they integrate impact into their work. Um, and contrary to what she expected, she got a lot of quite positive feedback. And, uh, and what this really illustrates is the power of how you think about impact to enable you to not just tick those boxes and get the funding or the case study or whatever it is that um, your, your boss or university or whoever wants from you in terms of impact. But when you actually start to, to, to integrate this now as a state of mind as something that could potentially be positive, uh, impact can be something that becomes fundamentally motivational in ways that you didn't expect and that can have a positive feedback to your research. So let's head over to the interview and see what Saskia had to say. So this week I'm out and about. I'm at uh, a conference in Edinburgh. Uh, so uh, we're sitting, sitting in a cafe uh, just opposite the, the conference, so a wee bit of background noise. Uh, and I am sitting opposite Saskia Walcott from Walcott Communications, who I've worked with for many years. And uh, Saskia, you've written a, a fantastic blog. Um, uh, I'll put the link to the blog in the show notes. Um, it inspired me uh, because I, I think there were a couple of things in particular that were a real breath of fresh air. Um, and the first of these is, is, is a statement that you made. Uh, and I wonder if you can tell us a little bit more about this. The idea that impact is a state of mind. Right. Um, I'm not sure I can take 
entire credit for that. That's an idea that I have it's grown on me over the last oh, five or six years since I've been talking about impact and presenting on impact. And actually, I think it was something that was actually said to me many, many years ago. I can't recall the academics, so I can't credit it. Um, and it's taken me it's taken me, I think, years to really grasp and understand what that means. And it's something that I like to, I like to begin my sessions with because we've got so involved with thinking about impact as something that is just about evidence and assessment and measurement. And actually, it's about taking incredible research and putting it out in the world. And the first you know, the, the first, for me, the most essential approach to that is being an engaged researcher, the sort of researcher who is not thinking simply about the research and the output and the paper that's going to come out of it, but is also kind of thinking, well, actually, who, might, who, are, whom else might be interested in this? How else might it be used? And for me, before anything else, before you have anything down on paper, it is about that approach. It's about that state of mind that you as an academic researcher has about appreciating that drawing others into your research can actually be beneficial as opposed to something that will be detrimental to it. So I think that's what I mean about it being a state of mind. I think the, you know, we, we are many years down the line with the impact agenda and it began very negatively and I've, I recently finished my, my, my master's, um, and the dissertation that I did was looking specifically at how arts and humanities scholars have translated that impact agenda into their everyday activity. And it, the, for me, the results were fascinating, because I think my expectation was that I, I, I was going to get a lot of negativity back. And, you know, yes, don't get me wrong, there were, there were some very valid complaints about the, the impact of the impact agenda. But what was amazing about that was that the academics who had the right attitude were able to take this and use it to their advantage and actually do some amazing things in terms of both getting their research activity picked up and used around the world but also some fun stuff that they wouldn't have been able to do otherwise um and and I saw that and for me that was a that was a real a, a moment of revelation um in terms of of of, of understanding how how the impact agenda does have a very positive aspect to it, despite all the bad bits as well, but it does have a positive aspect to it. Yeah, so this, this idea then of, of a state of, of mind, um, is this something that, that you're born with? Is this a generational thing? Is this something that early career researchers just have, just get? Is this something that actually you can learn? Is it a way of thinking? Is it a bunch of lessons? Can you break it down to, to, to that kind of level? Um, those are all really good questions. I don't actually think it isn't necessarily generational, and I think it is something that you can learn. So I, I spoke to um, academics across a range of sort of, you know, a range of career stages. And it was interesting talking to some of them for whom, you know, when they started their career nobody ever heard you know impact wasn't on it wasn't there nobody talked about impact you just had to have great papers and that was it and they were able to talk through an experience of saying actually this has opened my eyes working with um external organizations and actually involving them in the research and understanding how my research can have an application beyond the theoretical has actually been has actually been um 
you know, something that has really transformed their thinking about why they do their research and, and, and what they do it for. So I don't think it's entirely generational. Um, I, I, the work that I do with early career researchers, um, for them, actually, this, this, is, this is normal. So yes, this is this is often how they do think because it's become normalised for them. There were a couple of people I spoke to, and I, I started asking them questions about, you know, what was it like before, and they were like, "This is what it's always been like for us." So I think there is, I don't think it's generational as such, but I I think it is something that you can learn. But I think sometimes you have to be pushed gently into that learning experience. Mm. So this is, I guess. Th- something that can only be learned from practice from experience and it sounds like the these these people that that you spoke to some of these uh, are researchers who wouldn't have naturally considered it who perhaps wouldn't be intrinsically motivated by impact they're motivated by other things but when they start to engage with publics and stakeholders and and start to to think in those ways uh, they discover that there are actually these win-wins and as a result of that then that feeds into their intrinsic motives and they realize that actually uh, there are some very good reasons of their own to pursue this and to deepen and to widen their engagement with with more people so this this idea then of 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 this this being a something that you learn um, because, uh, as you suggested, that you're you're kind of pushed in that direction. Uh, what are that? What are those first steps? But if you're not intrinsically motivated by this, and you need to you need to actually take some first steps before you're going to get that feedback, that experience that tells you from experience why this is actually good and why this is something that you want to do. How, how do you take those those first steps? Right now, that that is quite an interesting question. I mean, some of the people that I spoke to. This was, in, this was just how they thought. It was intrinsic to them and it always had been. And actually what the impact, what impact has given them is the ability to do the stuff they were doing under the radar above the radar and actually get credit for it. So that's been a positive for them. For those for whom it was not a natural state of being, the, the gentle push has come, I suppose, <laughs> not ex- coercion isn't the right word, but, you know, they have been, they have been encouraged by their departments, their faculties, that this might be an area to go down. And, and, and what's key, I think, for those researchers, and this is actually really important, and my, and my piece of research was limited, you know, I did it for my master's, it was just in one institution, but what was essential was actually the support that they received, um, primarily, actually, from, from the sort of the research support offices at that university, and that was, for them, essential. They had their hands held throughout that process, um, and they, it, the, it was eased for them. And, and for me, that's really essential. I, you went here yesterday, but I asked a question in the plenary um, regarding what, you know, universities are giving a lot, a lot of lip service to impact, but they still haven't adjusted their workload models. Um, you know, they, they, they might have the odd impact manager that they have there, but really a lot of them don't have the, the real support and infrastructure to handhold, I think, their academics through what can be a really daunting process. Some of them do, and some of them have achieved that, but, but I would say that really the majority haven't. Um, and, and I think that's essential. It's not just saying you've got to do this stuff and go off out into the world and do it. That's of no use to anybody because the capable will do it. And for those for whom it's terrifying, it will remain terrifying. So it, it is a, it's about being guided 
through that process of and, 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 and being helped to find those contacts or you know they've already got those contacts but working with them to 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 take that further and actually do something more with them and and, and having that support throughout and that's essential I think it's really essential yeah yeah so understanding the barriers for each individual person overcoming them making this easy then whether or not this feels like it comes naturally you're much more likely to try those first tentative steps be more confident in doing so and then discover that actually there are all these win-wins and I think that that there are a number of people in different roles who can actually help and as you say hold hands as necessary to make this uh, actually a fairly easy step to, to take. The second thing that for me really inspired me about your your blog was uh, the boldness with which you told people to uh, to throw out of the window this uh, this thing in the UK that we call the Research Excellence Framework, uh, uh, and these uh, these are being replicated elsewhere around the world. The idea that we need to metricize or measure. Uh, and and formally evaluate uh, the impact of our work uh, and that we get credit for that in some shape or form. Um, and the idea that, that actually, that yeah, why do we need to throw this out the window? Ooh, that, I suppose it was quite bold, wasn't it? Um, seeing as um, a, a, lot of my, a lot of my custom comes from the ref, I perhaps shouldn't be saying that. What I, but actually I stand by the statement. Um, and... It, you know, the, the blog that I wrote was specifically advice for early career researchers, but actually I think it's applicable to anybody. And the reason you forget about the REF, the REF is an assessment that happens once every six or seven years. If you are approaching your research engagement in, based entirely on this idea of achieving a REF impact case study, you'll hate it, right? You, It will be soul-destroying, frankly. Impact is... Going back to my first statement about impact being a state of mind, if you're a researcher in the UK, and it seems increasingly in other parts around the world, a modern academic researcher really is being encouraged to 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 take on this new, quite daunting role at times of not simply sitting in their institution and writing their papers, but actually being engaged with the industry, the business, the communities around them, right? And I think that... Uh, that work, the work and the, the academic work, the academic research that you might do is probably going to have an impact, but that impact isn't always going to be refable. And if you are only, if you're stuck in a, in a frame where it's all about the ref, I think, I think it can be quite soul destroying, you know, because the, the, thinking about the sort of the impact case study database that's there, you know, we've all trawled through that a million times and there's some amazing stories what you need to recognize is that those stories are the results of careers. They're not the results of something that's happened in a few years or one research project. Impact builds throughout your career. That's why it needs to be part of your state of mind and built into your DNA. So I think, I think especially for early career researchers, and, and my, when I wrote that blog, it came from me being quite cross when I was sat and, and I sat and listened to a very senior VC deliver to a room of early career researchers this statement about, about just talking about ref and ref impact case studies and gathering your evidence for it, et cetera, et cetera. And I was thinking, don't, don't tell these young people that. Do you know what I mean? What you need to be saying is you need to be pointing out what the benefits are in them engaging and working and how it will, how it will benefit their research career. And... There might be a ref impact case study at the end of it, but actually if there's not, it doesn't matter. Because, you know, you're going out, you're having an impact all the time. The fact that it's not referable is neither here nor there. You know, 
Uh, sorry, I'm getting quite worked up just, just thinking about it again, aren't I? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so I, I think the ref is a blessing and a curse. You know, it, it is meant that for, for, for us here in the UK, it has brought impact into the foreground. It, it, it's it's prioritised it. But at the same time, it is it has commoditized it, and it becomes and it becomes something that is that is monetized and is and, and there's a there's a pressure on it. It's it's and all of those things. So you know, it's like the yin and the yang, really, the the ref. But I, I do think that if you are working specifically just towards a ref impact case study, I think you're onto a loser. I think you you do the work. If those, if, you know, you facilitate your pathways to impact and if during that process these amazing things happen, which they probably will, and, and that leads to impact that you can measure and is refable and all of those things and you get to write a ref impact case study in X amount of years, fabulous. That shouldn't be your end game. I couldn't agree more. Um, and I think it's, it's a crying shame. Researchers who were doing this because they always did it. It was part of their DNA. It's what they always used to do. Uh, who now feel like, well, you know what, maybe I don't need to bother doing this anymore. Maybe I don't even want to do this anymore, that it's been metricized and, and yeah. Uh, and yet others who, who are doing it, um, and it is, it's like this quick fix. Uh, I, I can do this and that and uh, I'll write it up, I'll get the evidence and I've got a ref impact case study yeah. and, um, and we all know how much it was worth last time round. We think it's probably going to be worth around about half a million next time round. This is, uh, if you get a top scoring one, this is uh, not to be sniffed at. Um, and, uh, and as a result, um, you can see why this is driving some institutions and as a result, uh, then cascading down and driving some individuals um, uh, and as a result the, the question then is well actually why are you doing this um, and I think for me that is why this becomes soul destroying because actually at that soul level why do you do research why did you come into this career in the first place yes. uh, I don't know anyone yet uh, who came into this because they wanted to make their university richer or <laughs> to enable their university to climb a league table and if that is actually what you've become um, and what you've been incentivized to become then when you look inside I think you will discover that you you have become poorer as a person so Saskia, you um, advised me, you uh, gave me fantastic feedback uh, in the last ref, last time round, um, helped me get uh, my impact case study into, into shape. Uh, tell us, uh, last of all, uh, a little bit more about uh, what you do um, and how people can get in touch with you. Ah, right, okay, what do I do? So, um, as I said in the plenary yesterday, I'm that strange new breed of, 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 of job called an impact consultant. Who knew, eh? <laughs> Who knew such a thing existed? Um, so what do I do? I, I do a variety of things. I don't like to pigeon myself, pigeonhole myself too much. But a lot of what I'm doing at the moment is around working with, um, with researchers directly and sometimes through sort of research managers, helping them to identify what their potential ref impact case studies are, actually working and doing that sort of critical friend role that I did with you in terms of, of, of helping helping researchers understand actually how to write one, you know, because it's not a paper. It's very different. The expectations are different, how you approach it. It's got to be succinct. It's got to be coherent. It has to have a narrative. And I know that can be quite difficult sometimes for academics to get their heads around. Um, and so I'm, I'm doing some of that critical friend work um, and, and also around all of that as well continues the sort of the training. So I must admit that 
I think I said this to you many years ago, I thought, oh, nobody will want those introduction to impact workshops anymore. It won't be necessary. Yet I'm still being asked to do them because there's new people coming up all the time, or they're joining, and, and, and then also impact is still evolving. You know, I think our understanding of it continues to evolve and how we approach it, et cetera. So, um, so I do a bit of that and, I, and, and whatever else anybody sort of asks me, asks me to do. Um, as I was saying to you earlier, I love, a, you know, the sort of the whole idea of social knowledge transfer in the social sciences is something that I, I find fascinating and, and I'm doing sort of bits and bobs around on the, on, on the side as well. So, so that's me. I'm a uh, gun for hire, I guess. <laughs> and if people, uh, if people want to hire you, how, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Oh, um, I've got a website, uh, Walcott.coms um, and uh, walcott.coms.co.uk. So you can, you, can, you can contact me through that. That's probably the best way. Fantastic. Saskia, I really appreciate it. It's been fun. Thank you very much. <laughs>